0: I'm ready. I have my hot drink.
1: (laughs) Now that I've watched you prepare your tea, now now you're ready to begin. Yep. Uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah, that was good.
1: Just make sure you drink that right into the mic.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
1: Do you have a pre-show yet?
0: Oh, is that what I was doing? (laughs) (laughs) I need to like zip back here. There was a few things I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out new segments for the show, and I was thinking, like, could we do, like, the best lenses for for F-mount or Z-mount? I guess it's Z-mount now. And then talk about Nikon more.
1: Well, we are the Nikon cast.
0: hmm Exactly. And then I was trying to think of other potential, potential, possible potential, like, theoretical topics i have come up dry so far. I also don't have another legendary lens for you.
1: Oh no. Man, I I don't know what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Uh
0: give me uh give me your your number one photography rule of thumb.
1: I mean, we say number one. It's like that that's that's I'm going to have to give you the first one that comes to mind, which isn't necessarily like the most important sure. or the best or anything like that. I feel like the obvious answer to this would be something like the rule of thirds, but I'm going to come out of left field and say that really it's more about getting the lighting right. And so my rule of thumb would be, if you want your picture to look good and it's like a picture of a person, then have the light off to the side somewhere rather than directly behind or in front of them. What do you think?
0: I think that's pretty good. I am a pretty huge fan of backlighting though. It can be extremely dramatic.
1: Sure. I mean, any... Any rule can be broken, but the point of a rule of thumb is that it's this kind of general guidance that you can follow, and if you mm-hmm. follow that, you will get a decent result.
0: It's good. I like it. That's a good one.
1: What about you? Okay,
0: mine is your sharpest aperture is usually somewhere around halfway through your f-stop range. So shooting from 5.6 to f8, you know, right around there, mm-hmm. it's going to be the sharpest spot in your lens. And you can combine that with zone focusing. So, like you just set your focus on your lens to be from say like five feet to eight feet or eight feet to 20 feet at a wider f stop. And then, as long as you can kind of like gauge that distance from you to your subject, it's going to be in focus. Yeah. And then you don't even have to think about autofocus. Oh, man. It's kind of cool if you're like just walking around and shooting, maybe street photography, that sort of thing. I think people uh, undersell shooting at f8 and then uh, zone focusing.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. I think people also. Um way overemphasize the idea of shooting at really wide apertures and they think that like oh i've got this fancy camera i paid a bunch of money for this f1.8 lens i need to use that f1.8 but a lot of times it just doesn't for the reasons you said it just doesn't really uh, work as well
0: yeah shooting wide is a lot of fun you get some really cool effects but also shooting where everything that's supposed to be in focus is in focus is also fun
1: yeah yeah, it's it's cool when things are in focus. Yeah,
0: I mean sometimes like you take a picture and you're like, wow, this is just it's incredibly sharp, 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 in- sharp,
1: incredibly sharp. sharp. Just
0: coming at you, it's incredibly sharp, incredibly detailed, and you're like, wow, I just can't get this level of detail from my phone, and you shot it at f eight. Yeah, and so that, the differentiator is not the load up the field; it's how good the photo was. There you go. Cool. Cool. That's it. Fo- this is was photography corner uh For for the camera gear podcast, <laughs>
1: it's got a segment name and everything. Yep, I don't I don't know if we're coming back to photography corner.
0: <laughs> I mean, we were just always in photography corner. Mm. Either mm. we're
1: always there or we're never going back there. It's nowhere in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, nothing no let's, not just, bad. let's just stop there. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video. And by stop there, I mean let's start the show there. Okay. <laughs> so what's new in camera world?
0: There's, You know what we're talking about today.
1: I, I know a couple things we're talking last about week,
0: today. Last week, some new cameras came out. Mm-hmm. Leica announced the Q3. Yeah. We're going to talk about that today. Nope.
1: Nobody cares about that.
0: Nope. Uh, I think that, you know, Canon released that R100.
1: Mm I don't care about that. Yeah. It's on the list, but it's at the bottom of the list. Very,
0: very bottom of the list. You know why?
1: Tell me. FujiCast. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I thought that when the pre show said X, that's why I thought we were talking about Fuji. This is the FujiCast. That's right. And then you you gave me a misdirect and started talking about (laughs) photography. But I'm glad to see we're back on the FujiCast. FujiCast.
0: Okay. We're talking to talk about the most important thing. There was a Fuji Summit last week. I know this is like two weeks out yeah. because of our early schedule and everyone's already
1: old news. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the Summit of Mount Fuji, which, yes. which does exist, is a thing. That is not the same. Very different. It's also
0: the, different location. Mm-hmm. Probably a different time of day. Yeah. yeah. Regardless. Fuji Film. Fuji Summit. May. 2023 the most important thing that came out of this and i would like to say that our our we did a rumor roundup we were pretty close yeah yeah we were feel real real good Mm -hmm. about everything that we talked about so the most important thing was firmware 5.0
1: you're right i mean 5.0 that's a big number it feels even bigger than a 4.0 not not only is it 1.0 more but i mean five's like a nice you know round number just mm-hmm. feels feels like major improvements are going to come in a 5.0 and Gi- we were not disappointed
0: giant giant update yes so i think the biggest thing here was for the XT5 and the XH2 not the XH2S because they brought a lot of the new autofocus improvements that came to the XH2S to the XT5 and the
1: XH2 okay i actually missed that that's that's good to hear yeah
0: so flipping through it seems like Seems like most of that stuff, like they added the Insect Tech and the drone things and that sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, the X-H2 and the X-T5 have the same processor mm-hmm. as the X-H2S, but they don't have the same read speed. So you're never going to get the same autofocus performance out of those two cameras because right. it's a reading a bigger sensor and it's a slower sensor. Right. But they brought a lot of that stuff. Still not the biggest announcement for 5.0. point no, it's 0. not.
1: No, it's not. There's only one announcement they made in that that I even cared about.
0: ISO on a dial.
1: That's it. XH2S on a dial. ISO on a dial.
0: It happened. I'm done. I'm done complaining. That's it. I mean, that was the whole point of this podcast.
1: I mean, that might be enough to make the X-H2S camera of the year 2024.
0: They They could have released nothing else, and I would have been completely satisfied.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The X-Summit could have just been... No words, just somebody coming out on the stage, holding up an XH2s, turning that little dial and seeing the ISO change <laughs> would have been enough. It would have been perfect. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty happy with how they implemented this. And honestly, I went through like the whole
0: release log for the XH2s for firmware 5.0, and I don't I don't think they changed
1: anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. It, it, I didn't see they had a bunch the way they do their release logs is really confusing because you look at it. you're like, wow, there's so much stuff in here, but then there's a little table that shows what firmware version each of those things was added in. And what mm-hmm. you realize is that those release notes are like all of the firmware updates.
0: Yeah. And if you and if you click on the manual thing, it will take you to a new version of the owner's guide. Mm-hmm. And it will has all of the updated pages for every firmware in it. Right. So if you're not paying attention. You're scrolling through you're like, wow, they added all this stuff. Yeah, and the, the new of modes yeah. and all those things. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, that was for firmware 2.0. Yeah. Oh, I, I've had that for months and I didn't know about it. Yep. But for the ISO thing, they made it so that you can set you can set your ISO to your front dial, mm-hmm. can't set it to the back dial, which I can live with. And then what they did is they made it so you can set a custom button to toggle what the front dial does. Yeah,
1: and you get three choices, and you get three choices, mm-hmm.
0: right? So you can set it so that whatever mode you're in, the front dial will toggle between ISO or aperture, or shutter speed or exposure. I think it's just those four, or you can set it to none. I think you're right. And so what I did is I set it to f-stop and to ISO because I do have one stupidly versatile lens that doesn't have an aperture ring on it. Right. And so in some modes, I still need to be able to set the aperture. And so I changed my ISO button to just toggle between ISO and f-stop for the front dial. Yeah. And then it's just it's either one or the other. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to like go through menu if it's like, oh, I'm changing the wrong thing boom, hit the button. Yep. And then it'll show you on the screen which setting it'll show like over, over the ISO setting or over the F stop setting or shutter speed it shows a little wheel with an arrow. And that way, you know which one the wheel is set to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like it works really well. I do find myself wishing that they let you set some more settings to that front dial. Like, I don't know. I mean, it would have been cool if I could have put autofocus mode or white balance or something on there. You're asking
0: for too much, Daniel. But yeah,
1: I am. Yeah. And I know. And I'm just happy to have ISO on there because that's been such an annoyance. And now, you know, generally it won't be a problem.
0: I updated so fast <laughs> and I'm so happy. Yeah. The
1: other big thing
0: for 5.0, because they pushed a new software version, like a major number increase for basically every camera that they have and that other thing was support for the new X app.
1: The new X app, mm-hmm. you say? Which now pr- that's something we talked about as a rumor uh, last last yep. time, but it actually happened. It
0: did. It came out, and that's replacing the camera remote mm-hmm. application that Fuji had previously. And the you know X app is for doing remote shutter control or remote control of your camera, and copying your your footage and your pictures.
1: Yeah, and they really they they talked it up i mean it wasn't just like a little like oh there's a new version of the app i mean they they talked it up and said that you know we know there have been a lot of complaints about camera apps we're trying to make this you know a a truly better camera app and you know we hope that you you know enjoy this experience and they release videos on it and i mean all this stuff so it seems like they think it's pretty good i haven't had a chance to mess with it yet what do you think of it
0: well first they they released a video showing somebody showing somebody else how to use it. And they like went out on their photo journey with the new XS20, shooting <laughs> on the eight and a half millimeter. And then they went to a coffee shop afterwards and he's like, let's look at our photos. And the gather guy, guy's like, How are we gonna do that? It'll take forever to copy them. And he's <laughs> like, I have my phone
1: and the X app. It was they're like reading off of note cards as they as they say this.
0: It was it was really bad.
1: <laughs>
0: Before I dive into it. Hit me, hit me with some of this controversy.
1: So yeah, that was kind of an interesting thing. We talked about it the other day and you said, hey, this app's out. You should get the app. I thought that's a great idea. And then as usually happens, I did not do it. And I updated my camera to the new version of the firmware so that I could use the app, but I didn't actually download the app. And then at some later point, I said, okay, I'll get, go ahead and get this app. Got on the app store, look for it. Not there. What's going on with that? And it turns out, that they actually released it, and then they pulled it from the store. And, you know, there's kind of some question of why why would they pull it from the store? So it's seen, everyone
0: thought it was something to do with a, a controversy with, like, the permission structure.
1: Because that's pretty bad, right? Like, it, when you use this app, it makes you give it location permission mm-hmm. full-time.
0: Yeah, and whether you're on Android or iOS, you know, usually you can have you can set either of those to give it like part time location permission, mm-hmm. or like only when you have the only app when open. you have the Apple open yeah. or that sort of thing. You cannot get past the setup screen unless you give it full time twenty four mm-hmm. seven location access. And, and
1: you can understand why they would want that because if you're doing geotagging, it needs to know where you are so we can do geotagging. But you know, you as the user should have the choice of whether you give it that permission or not. And if you don't give it the permission, can't do geotagging. That's probably a trade-off people are okay with making, but the app in its current form does not allow you to do that. You either give it full-time location access or you can't use the app.
0: Yeah. So like you can't copy your photos if you don't give it location permission and maybe like, I don't know, that's kind of a weird, weird deal breaker.
1: It really like is. Maybe I don't yeah.
0: care about geotagging, but I want to still be able to mm. copy copy my pictures to my phone. Yeah. Yeah. That Too bad.
1: seemed really strange. And so obviously that's the reason they pulled it, right? Sure. Nope. So the reason they pulled it, because it, it, it got pulled and then it showed up again, you know, I don't know, 24 hours later, you know, something like that. Yeah,
0: it was like a day or two.
1: And it turns out that there was a spelling error in something and they allegedly pulled the app so that they could fix that error and they put it back up.
0: I don't, I don't know how you get past Apple reviews so quickly in order to just fix a single spelling error.
1: That's a good question. I mean, maybe the answer is that you are Fuji, you know, you're some big company. The other possibility is that that text may have been coming from something that's served over the web mm-hmm. so the app itself may not have like those strings in it it may be served from some you know web server somewhere and they may have just temporarily disabled the app while I got on and fixed that thing and then uh, you know re-enabled it once they had that fixed that's my guess do
0: you think that or what is the chance that this was like a knee-jerk reaction to the location thing? And then they figured out, well, we've already pushed out updates to all these people's cameras. And now either they have to give them this app so they can copy things for to their phone. Or we have to let them be able to use the old app, which we can't because now they're on new firmware. And they're like, oh, well, we have to put it back up.
1: Honestly, I don't think it was a knee-jerk reaction. I think that even if they wanted to make that change and, and you know, if they're... That, hopefully they're hearing what people are saying and they want to make that change. But to me, the obvious answer then is to maybe release a statement. say you're going to do it, but then, you know, why would you take the old app down? So I, I doubt that's what happened. The spelling error thing as silly as it seems like, it feels like a very Japanese thing to do to say like, you know, the app must be perfect. And like the presentation must be perfect. And like, we'll pull it like it's, it's not good enough. We're going to take it down until we fix it. Like I, that's believable. What to
0: if me. they misspelled Fujifilm? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that'd be a reason to take the app down that's for sure (laughs) pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we'll see i I do hope they change that location thing i mean personally i don't have a problem with letting the fuji app use my location i don't i don't think fuji is going to take my location data and sell it to anybody i'm not really that worried about it but i can understand why that bothers people and i hope they change it
0: you know they did release a 1.02 update today
1: did they yeah what did that have
0: uh minor bug fixes i guess it didn't change the location permission
1: okay so we're not there yet yeah but yeah i mean knowing fuji that'll be like a 3.0 or 5.0 or something you know some major update yep we'll see. all right so i i did download and install this thing
0: like day one yeah right
1: uh, possibly minute one minute or hour
0: one. one as soon as i could possibly download it i did and it it's portrait only can't use it in landscape which i guess fine uh, even though the screen on my on my camera is landscape, but my, anyways, whatever doesn't matter. You uh, can't use it landscape, but you 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 open up the app and it prompts you to you know, hey, what what do you want to register? You know, give us give us all these permissions. We need to be able to access all your photos and your location yep. and all this stuff. And so like you grant all the permissions, and then you jump into the app and it's like, okay, let's pair your camera. And so you turn on your camera, and it's like just hold down the display button, which is typically the Bluetooth like if you hold down the display or back button on a Fuji camera, it will take you into the Bluetooth settings, the mm. connection settings. Okay. But if you have the app open and you just hold down that button, it goes into like a pairing mode, Finds your camera connects. Boom. Mm. Pretty cool. And I, the first time I did this is it just, it just worked. It was easy. And then it's like, do you want to transfer, do you want to transfer pictures or remote control your camera? And you're like, yeah, sure. And so you hit the button, it'll throw you a prompt. That's like, do you want to join the Wi-Fi network? And so you're like, you have to, Click yes so that your phone or tablet or whatever joins the Wi-Fi network of your camera, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Right. But usually it's a, it's a matter of, like, go into your settings, find the thing, connect to the whatever. Now it just is through a prompt. And That's that worked cool. perfectly the first time, too. I just hit join. Boom. It happened. And I was copying pictures. It was, it was seamless. It was great. It was, was great. Like, That's, like,
1: all all you've wanted in a camera app.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I did this whole gonna remote like, three days later i just i opened up the app on my ipad and i hit you know join to connect and it just wouldn't connect it wouldn't connect it wouldn't connect <laughs> so i had to go into my settings on my ipad find the xh2s wi-fi connect to it manually and then it worked
1: i think that that was when you were showing me the app for mm-hmm. the first time and it was it was definitely an underwhelming uh demo
0: yeah so the app does have a little bit of performance anxiety Make sure you're not connecting to your camera with anybody around or yep. it may not work. <laughs> uh, but so still, still not perfect, but miles better than what it was before.
1: I mean, it sounds like the whole, the whole process of, you know, holding down this button thing, like that seems pretty smooth and a lot better than how it was before.
0: Yeah. Before, like the whole, the whole concept of, you know, okay, go to this setting and then like find, scan this QR code, find this Wi Fi network, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's, it's like, I don't know how a normal person does this. And yeah. now it's like, hold this button on your camera and then hit yes on this dialog and you're in that's great yeah when yeah, it works
1: that's what we're looking for
0: so it's still not perfect but a lot better yeah you can transfer videos and you can transfer photos you can't transfer raw images that's annoying and i was hoping to be able to you know, like leave my cf express reader at home or my sd yeah. card reader at home and bring like just my ipad and my camera and then i can transfer all my raws and my jpegs and then import them into Lightroom right. and insert into my photo workflow. Yeah, merge into the th- photo workflow. Yeah, exactly. Workflow. And that would just be the next step for the mobile photo workflow, which we discussed ad nauseam
1: yes. a few episodes back.
0: Can't transfer RAWs.
1: It, that also makes it so that you can't really use it as a backup, you know, because like one mm-hmm. use of this app would be, I'm on a multi-day trip, I want to back up my, my uh, photos every day. But... You certainly want to back up your RAWs, too. So that feels like a pretty major shortcoming.
0: I do wonder if that's a limitation. Obviously, I haven't tried this on Android. I don't know well, why that's obvious. It's obvious, Daniel. Who has an Android phone? They used to have an Android phone, so whatever. But I don't have one now, so I wasn't able to try it on. And so, But I am wondering if this is a file format limitation. Yeah. Because like, it imparts it into your Apple Photo Library does Apple restrict you from copying like RW2 files?
1: I don't know. Seems like, seems weird. RIF files.
0: It. Sorry. The uncompressed ones are different anyways. So I don't know. That would be strange. Yeah. But, and then I still had some, I still had some video on my card from mm-hmm. one of the things we shot and that was like 50 gigabyte a roll footage. Right. And I was like, select copy. And it's like, Copying, this is going to take 100 years. And it's like 1%, 2%. And it started copying. Huh. I was like, great. So it's not a file size limitation. I can yeah. copy a giant video file that's like 50 gigabytes, but I can't copy a 25 megabyte raw
1: file. That's definitely annoying. Maybe that's something they'll fix.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's almost like a deal breaker for me. Like, yes, mm. I do want to be able to just copy those JPEGs real quick. And it does have a t- – when you go to copy your JPEGs, there's a toggle on the bottom that gives you to resize them. And so if you are shooting everything like large JPEG and you know you're going to bring that into your big photo workflow, but you just want the small JPEGs now to share on social, you can have it automatically resize whenever it sends it. Then you're just copying the small JPEGs to your phone. Oh, neat. And then you can deal with the big JPEGs and the raw files later. Yeah. That's a cool workflow, but that's checked by default. And so mm-hmm. I'm like unchecking that, copying the JPEGs, and then I'm like, well, I still don't have the raw files. And
1: it, it- – it's just frustrating because it it feels like there's still limitations and it still makes the app feel like a toy. And it's like I don't want this to be like for some niche use or like only if I'm doing stuff for social or whatever. Like I want this to be the way I interface with my camera. Yeah. It
0: feels like it's not a pro workflow yet. Yeah. It feels like it's still just for social and stuff. Yeah. And like you go and you look at some of the, you know, oh here's how Fuji's doing or you know, oh this is the best year for Fuji Fuji camera's whatever. And uh, like Fuji's growth sector right now for cameras is in their Instax cameras yeah. that like sh- can shoot pictures on the camera but are also printing Polaroids essentially, or Fujiroids. I don't, know what, I don't know what you call them. Uh, cause isn't, anyways, so like the Instax cameras and the X100. V.
1: right so it's like that is their market yeah people it's to see like here on social
0: fantastic jpegs that you just want to get onto your stuff you' not you don't care about the raw you're not editing the raw files because who's using Lightroom with uh a X whatever camera anyway yeah. because x trans and worms and all that stuff i don't know it just it feels like they're they're pushing into that area because that's where their growth is And over here, we're like, you guys are releasing fantastic pro cameras. I mean, you have the highest megapixel APS-C camera out there that's portable and small and has all these great colors and everything. I want to be able to mess with the RAWs. Why can't I copy those to my iPad?
1: Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, maybe it's just like they prioritize the social stuff, but then they can add the pro stuff next. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess if it's like a feature that they're looking to keep off the app until later whenever they have more development time. Okay, fine, sure. Yeah. It's this is 1.0, and now maybe I, I can't have everything, you know, right out the gate. Yeah, I don't think the other app could copy Raws, but I don't remember
1: because <laughs> well, no. I never well, used it because it was terrible. Yep, yep, yeah. Does it even matter if it did? Uh, who knows. Yeah. So
0: the connection experience was really good, um, but still not great. Uh, otherwise, the raw thing's my only other my only main complaint, and I did try the camera remote, and that is really low latency yeah
1: you showed me that it was impressive how quickly it it was updating yeah so
0: i've i've used that before and sometimes like the connection drops out i haven't done like a long-term test with it yeah but just kind of initially playing with it i was i was really impressed
1: if it works well that's a useful feature if you're filming Mm -hmm. yourself
0: yeah so you know thumbs up to the to the camera remote and i guess overall i have positive feelings and impressed with the x app
1: yeah i liked the feature they have where it kind of gives you stats on your camera so you can see how many pictures you've taken with each lens and how many you know i don't know if it's like how many videos you've shot it'll tell you
0: like which film simulations you've used the most and which lenses you've been shooting with and that sort of thing yeah
1: i mean stuff like that's neat that that kind of adds a it's cool to have that data because we don't normally get that unless you have something where you're going through all your pictures and You know like filtering them in lightroom or something like most people don't have ready access to that and so i think it's pretty cool
0: using the bluetooth and the automatic geotagging and that sort of thing was something that i did use with the previous app Mm -hmm. and i really like those features i like having all my photos geotagged and i'm one of those weirdos that leaves google location history on and so whenever i upload photos to google photos it will automatically like connect my location to the picture if I took it with my Fuji camera. Mm-hmm. And so I can still like go, hey, Gatlinburg, and then like see all the pictures that I took in the Smoky Mountains or something. And so that's, I've kind of already had that experience, but now, you know, with a, the improved location connecting in the app, maybe I get better geotag location baked into the metadata.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'd rather have that data baked into the photo file instead. Because, you know, what if you ever move off Google, you know? So it's nice to have it in there.
0: Yeah. And Lightroom has those kind of features as well. I remember whenever we did our New Zealand trip, I was. Specifically, geotagging my photos that I was getting off my Panasonic camera mm-hmm. because I wanted I wanted the geolocation. Yeah, and this i mean, this would have solved that problem. So yeah.
1: pretty cool. Glad glad they're doing this. You're making good steps forward.
0: I want to find out if I'm using. Uh, classic chrome or nostalgic nag more so i'm r- real pumped about that
1: yeah and maybe you can report on that whenever you review all those fuji film mm-hmm. simulations yep. in that segment that's definitely going to happen someday. yeah that's uh,
0: that's that bonus episode <laughs> well, i'll tell people exactly how many pictures i've taken with each film simulation Ooh. as i review each film
1: simulation perfect
0: and perfect. it's gonna be like a thousand with this one and ten thousand with this one and sepia is gonna be like zero yeah <laughs> Why do they even offer sepia? I don't know. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Who's who's using like I get the black and white people who are out there, you know, like talking about monochrome or shooting with acros and like which version of acros. and they're oh I really like the monochrome more because of the colors and the
1: blah 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 and I just like the way the red show up. Is there that person, but with sepia? Well, it's when you take pictures and you want them to look like they were filmed in Mexico. Yeah, but like
0: Where is the Leica Q3 sepia version? (laughs) That's even (laughs) more niche. They just haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) It's coming. Yep. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm like imagining that person. Oh, yeah, check out my uh, my Leica Q2. Oh, wow, man, that's really cool. How come all the pictures are brown? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's
1: just my artistic... I really, I really bought this for the of colors. Everything's brown. <laughs> All
0: right, okay. This obviously, X app wasn't the biggest announcement. We already covered that. That was also want a dial. Second biggest announcement. XS twenty.
1: Yep, it finally happened. Yep. And that that was, uh, you know, the the Fuji rumors are pretty good because that's been rumored to be released, and that's what the that's really probably what the main focus of the X summit was.
0: Whenever the rumors first started circling, I thought the whole using the old sensor in this camera was a dud. I was like, why, why would they do that?
1: Yeah. It's like, they, like releasing this old technology. Mm-hmm,
0: they've always brought the new sensor to all the cameras. That was the whole deal with X-Trans 4 and the X-Trans 3. And I guess like maybe the, the, that 40 megapixels just is just too expensive. I didn't consider them bringing, pairing the, the processors because usually like that's a whole engineering feat of we have this processor and we have this sensor and they work together. Yeah. They're like linked mm-hmm. and like divorcing those two, it's not a small feat. And so I was thinking, you know, if they're, they're going to they have well they want to use their new processor, obviously it's really good. has all the new focus stuff. So if they're going to do that, then this camera has to have the stack sensor mm-hmm. or the 40 megapixel sensor. And they didn't do it. They paired the new processor with the old X-Trans 4 sensor.
1: Yeah. Maybe, you know, the, the one difference here is that the processor could not have been designed to be paired to one specific sensor because they probably always knew they wanted to pair it to both the 26 megapixel stacked sensor in the X-H2S and the 40 megapixel not stacked sensor that's in the X-H2 and the X-T5. I guess that makes a lot of sense. And so they may have had to design it in a way that it was more modular and if they're doing that, then it may not have been as much work to make it work with that older X-Trans 4 sensor.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that, that obviously has to be what it is. Yeah. And so here we are, X-S20, X-Trans 4.
1: Yeah. Joins yeah.
0: the likes of the X-T3, the X-T30, mm-hmm. the X-T30 Mark Two, the X-S10, the X-T4, the X-Pro3, the X-Pro... <laughs> oh, geez. I'm forgetting about four cameras.
1: Yep. Yeah. X-E. Did you get X-E4?
0: Nope. X-E4. That's one of them. x mm-hmm. X-100V oh boy
1: lots of cameras
0: it's just like every camera that's come out since the x-t3 in fall of 2017 Mm -hmm. every camera that they've come out with aps-c has been an x-trans 4 until the x-h2s came out
1: yeah so you could say it's a proven sensor and i mean you and i both have a camera that uses that sensor you get great pictures no no complaints there
0: incredible pictures but it
1: does seem like an old sensor so what do you get with pairing the new processor with the older sensor
0: I mean, it seems like you get better better read off the sensor. It doesn't seem like the read speed is much better. If you go look at the, like the rolling shutter performance and that sort of thing, you're not getting way better. But because the processor can handle more data, it can do things like open gate recording mm-hmm. and it has all of the new focus mode stuff. It can do F-Log2. And so it has like the new gamma profiles and that sort of thing. And so I think like it enables a lot of those kind of things. Yeah. But you're still stuck with the same like resolution and, and actual read speed mm-hmm. of the sensor yeah. itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of those some of those improvements though are pretty meaningful. I mean, like for me, the 6.2K uh, you know, 422 10 bit open gate was a pretty like that really caught my eye because as someone who shoots on an X-H2S and we do all these interview setups where we're shooting open gate to get that extra room for cropping. You know, I see that feature and it's like, man, this this could be a really good B-cam for the X-H2S because of that. And that's something that we never saw on one of these older uh, X-Trans 4 cameras. And it's just kind of new now.
0: Yeah, so being able to shoot in 422 has not been a thing for X-Trans 4. Mm-hmm. The X-T4 was only 420.
1: Interesting. And so, okay.
0: it bringing 10 bit to that sensor is a capability of the new processor. That's Interesting.
1: I, I guess. I guess, that, like you said, they can just process the data faster. You know, probably do it with less heat and less battery usage, and that all translates into more features. Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, I have the X X Trans Four on my XT Three, and I do love that sensor. I wish that the ISO perform the noise performance was maybe a little better sure. in video. In photos, it's great. And I think that obviously comes down to maybe like read speed and processing. I would think that and now that you have 42210 bit, I would imagine that the video processing and the noise performance maybe is slightly better. Yeah. In be. the XS20 compared to maybe like the XT3 or those, you know, old processor versions. But talking about the video specs, that seems to be one of the big the big things for this camera. It seems like they're I mean, one, they're pushing it kind of as like a vlog camera to compete with, you know, like the Z V E 10 or right. that sort of thing. Yeah. But it also kind of seems like a little, you know, XH2S mini. It and does.
1: Yeah. It's got the same PSAM uh control layout, mm-hmm. which is gonna be familiar. Same
0: uh, same control layout as far as PSAM, but it does have less buttons and dials, and you don't get
1: seven custom modes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a meaningful change.
0: Yeah. So you get you get you know, your filter and you get the vlog mode. And then you have four four custom modes, mm-hmm. and then there's a few other things on the dial as well, okay. like your your photo stuff, like uh, P, P Sam. Huh?
1: Yeah, I well, you know, four four custom modes is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's more than a lot of other cameras mm-hmm. give you. Um, another thing that kind of yeah, it really makes it seem like it, it's a, you meant meant to do videos that it supports the cooling fan accessory. I thought that was an interesting. That thing was a to That's see. a great ad.
0: Once you get, I mean, for the XH2S, I don't feel like I ever need that cooling fan accessory. But for something like this, if you're su- shooting in one of those all intra codecs mm-hmm. and you're shooting in you know 6K open gate or four 4K 60, boy, that thing's gonna, yeah. that thing's gonna get hot. Yeah. So it's, a sm- it's a small camera.
1: I mean, kind of as a as a quick aside on that cooling fan, I think that's a, a great accessory that they offer, and it's not something that I've needed yet on the X-H2S, and for the normal stuff we do, I can't imagine needing it. Like you said, maybe the smaller camera, maybe you have more heat problems, maybe it comes into play more, but what I like about them having that is that, you know, who knows what happens in the future. I mean, maybe we're going to be doing a project where we need to be able to shoot in the desert in the middle of summer, in a situation where that's actually a concern. It's great that at that point we can buy this modular add on for the camera to give you that capability rather than having had to like buy a camera that had that from the factory and have the extra bulk and all that. So I think that was a really cool move by Fuji that basically nobody talks about and it's neat that it's on this camera and it also makes this camera seem like they're imagining it being used for some like more pro type work.
0: I would love it if they took that attitude and applied it towards all the other video camera accessories that they don't make. Like yeah. a realistic dummy battery.
1: I agree. I agree. It's a right now it's like this weird incongruous, like, why do they have this and not that? But mm-hmm. yeah. So
0: let's kind of do a quick run through or I'll do a quick run through on some of these XS20 features. And then I want to talk about like, where does this compete? Yeah. And good. maybe like some of the other performance. So we talked about the the shutter performance and we're looking at, you know, roughly a 16 millisecond rolling shutter. Usually once you get under 15, that feels pretty good uh, to give you an idea of what that compares to the FX30 is almost 16 milliseconds. Uh, so xs 20 is like 16.1, so really close to the FX30's performance, and that obviously is slower when you shoot in 6K versus 4K. Sure, it goes almost up to like 23 or 25. Okay, uh, something like your XH2 is 15. Something like an R6 Mark II, which is a way more expensive camera, is 9.5. Uh, your XH2S is going to be like four. Yeah, because big it's difference, incredible. You know, camera of the year 2023, 2024. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Whew, that was I almost messed up there. Anyway, just an idea. Uh, it can shoot open gate, which is kind of the big deal at this price point for a camera like this. I All the other stuff that we're going to talk about as far as like what competes with the XS20 at, and I'll just give you the price, $1,300, which is 300 more than the XS10 that has the same sensor, different processor. So $300 uptick in price, fine. You can get open gate. That's great. It supports all intra codecs, which is unique as well for this price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes up to 360 megabit per second because it doesn't have CI Express. It's one SD card slot, and that's UHS2. Yeah. So you're running into that 400 ish megabyte per second read, megabyte? Megabit. megabit. 400 megabit per second read or write to the card. Yeah. So uh, it does do 4K60 it uh, with a crop. I think it's a 1.1 ish crop. It'll do, and this is, I mean, all video, right? But it'll do 1080 up to 240, and that 240 has never been super, super good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that all the 4K video options are oversampled from the 6K sensor. It doesn't seem like it's doing any sort of line skipping, yeah. and that's nice. that's good to hear. Yep, and you get, like, DCI 4K and regular 4K mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It can shoot RAW externally.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah,
0: so that's a pretty cool feature. Mm-hmm. You can't do it internal, but you can do it external, and that's both B-RAW and ProRes RAW. Ooh, nice. So, fantastic there yeah. for all mm. you uh, Resolve users if you have those Resolve recorders.
1: Yep, micro HDMI port. Ugh, what a bummer.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, we talked about the slots. Uh, it, they brought, I think, I can't remember if the XS20 had... Both a headphone jack and a mic it, jack. It had
1: a uh, it had a mic jack, XS10, had a mic jack, and the headphone was through USB, so you had to have an adapter. Yep.
0: For the smaller cameras, that was a thing that they did for a while, the mm-hmm. XT30, the XT30 Mark II, and the XS10. No headphone jack. You had to yep. use a USB-C adapter. Yep. It's really nice for them to realize that people would need that headphone for monitoring audio, and they brought it back. And yep. so now you got, you got both. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It is. So, I think that's kind of most of everything that's really important here. Did you get IBIS? Oh, yeah. It's got IBIS, and it looks like it's the same IBIS that's in everything else that they're shipping right now. So, it has that advertised seven stops. With the XH2S, you know, it's I don't feel like it's giving me a full seven stops. Maybe I just have shaky hands. It's a decent IBIS, you know, system. It's definitely not as good as Panasonic's. Yeah. I think it's maybe comparable to Sony. It's
1: better than not having IBIS, but yeah, it's not the best you can get.
0: Yeah. It's, it's still kind of hit and miss. It depends Mm -hmm. upon which lens you have on there and that sort of thing.
1: Right. I think that covers the specs about well enough. Um, so where do you want to go from here? Yeah,
0: I did want to hit on the dynamic range just a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just because it is that older sensor, and I wanted to see, you know, how is it comparing? So CineD does have their Xyla test up. Oh, okay. And it's looking like the sensor itself can capture about 13 stops total. And then once you start figuring out, okay, like, well, how noisy are those stops? Like, what well, is realistic. You're looking at like 10.9 to 11 usable stops with a signal noise ratio of two. Uh, and so, like, maybe you put in noise reduction, that sort of thing. You're probably looking around 11-ish, 11 and a half stops. Okay. And that's basically comparable to everything in this price point. It's comparable to, like, a Canon R7 or a zve 10 or that sort of thing. So, okay. it's okay. It's not It's not as good as, like, the X-H2. It's not as good as the X-H2S, which obviously, like, the X-H2S has the 14-bit readout. And so, it has a really good dynamic yeah. range of, like, 13 and a half.
1: Yeah, in F-Log 2. In F-Log 2.
0: hmm which this does have F log 2, but you're not getting the same benefit. Yeah. We shoot an F Log Two all the time because when you shoot an F Log Two on X H2S, you get 14 bit readout. And so you basically get another stop of dynamic range or high. you get so much more headroom on the highlights. And it's it's like great. And so I always shoot an F Log Two. But the downside of F Log Two is that it's noisier. Your right. base ISO is twelve fifty.
1: Mm-hmm. And on this on this camera, you're not getting the dynamic range benefit. So Uh, The only reason you shoot an F-Log 2 is to match to another camera that's also shooting F-Log 2.
0: That really seems like the main reason they're doing it. Mm -hmm. On the X-T3, the base ISO for F-Log is 640. Mm -hmm. And then they added HLG recording later on, and that base ISO was 1000. And so, you know, HLG shoots to REC 2020, but so does F-Log. It's just different. Anyways, whatever. Uh, You kind of had maybe a little more top level headroom because they push that up but it's still kind of the same i think what we're going to see is that the dynamic range between f-log and f-log 2 on the xs20 is probably going to be about the same between the two modes and it's just a matter of like you take that that map of dynamic range and then you move it up
1: i see you know a
0: whole stop from 640 to 1250 okay is that a whole stop 640 to 800 the stop it's almost two stops right yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So like it will it would move up. So I'm I'm seeing this as more of like a comparison to S log three and S log two, where S log two is better for like bright scenes and mm-hmm. outside where you're having mm-hmm. to deal with things on the higher end and you don't want them to clip, versus S log three that's better for lower light and more, more controlled scenarios. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm you know, that's that's my take on it. I think if you you know, if you have an X 2s you're gonna shoot it to, to um, you know, match mm-hmm. and then maybe use F log 2 for outside and you use F log one for inside because of noise.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Why why buy this over something else, Daniel? Great question. I mean when I saw the price, I thought it was a little high. You know, like the X the XS ten was thousand dollars. When I was looking for a second camera toward the end of last year, I was considering the XS ten because even even though this one has a lot of great upgrades, you know, we didn't know about this camera back then. XS ten still seemed pretty good you know and it seemed like a you know similar to the xh2s in a lot of ways and so i kind of had you know that in mind as an option but now this is 300 dollars more when i was looking for that second camera i don't think i would have considered a 1300 camera now i might at this point like having seen some of the work we've been doing since then you know some of these interview setups thinking about using this as a b cam but it seemed like a high price And so, yeah, it is interesting to kind of look at it in comparison with other options and see, you know, is it overpriced or is it really a you know a competitive option?
0: On the on that subject of price, with so if we just kind of coming out with all their modern cameras, right? So Mm -hmm. like they're on that next cycle. They with they had like the XT four and all those cameras and. You know they came out with the same X Trans sensor and and that sort of thing. And now they're like, okay, we're coming out with a new sensor and like we're oh, here's the XS twenty that's replacing the XS ten. Yep. Here's XT five replace XT four. Blah blah blah. There's no XT forty yet. There's yep. no XT fifty. Mm-hmm. And with this coming in at thirteen hundred dollars, you now can't buy a modern, in quotes, Fuji camera for less than a thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. And I mean, some of it may just be the world we live in now with inflation and pricing and all that but i do think that nine that nine nine 999
0: price point is really really important I, yeah and that's why you have things like the oh, yeah. r50 and the eos r10 and the zv mm-hmm. e10 where they're, yeah. they're coming in under that and it seems like you know maybe this is the point and shoot for fuji but they can't make enough of the x100v to sell and i don't know i find it kind of interesting almost yeah. makes it seem like they're they're that cheaper camera still coming
1: Yeah, maybe so. I mean, the other possibility is that cameras like the X-T30 are still filling that gap in their opinion, you know, and that maybe they feel like what they're offering in something like the X-T32 is comparable to what you could get for that price from other manufacturers. I
0: Hmm. could still see a space in my life for something like a new X-T40. Yeah. Or something similar, or an x 100 x kind mm-hmm. of thing like that next version i really like max t3 but for travel where i just need something to take photos i want something smaller yeah i want something like the X 30 mark ii or similar yeah. i get it it is extremely portable i get and, it but i i don't want to spend more than a thousand dollars for yeah. it
1: but here's what i think is interesting about the xs20 is that we've been talking for most of this year about how like for example sony hasn't released any new updates to their, you know, like a 6000 line. Yeah, we've been c like, cameras. where's that Sony a 7000? And even if you go past that 999 price point, it still feels like, you know, anywhere under $1,500. There's people that want to buy a, a nice camera that has modern features, but they don't want to spend $2,000, $2,500, you know, really big amounts of money. And so it's interesting to look at the XS20 as you know, like a higher level thing. I mean, whereas the XS10 was kind of a, you know, not entry level, but like lower entry level camera. I mean, it almost seems like this XS20 is is reaching into a higher tier of capability as well as price.
0: Yeah, so I was trying to think of, you know, what, what is this, where does this land in the market? And it feels like it's smacking between the things that are more expensive and maybe a little more capable or a little more feature rich the mm-hmm. things that are way cheaper that don't, necessarily have the features and it's like this weird up sale spot. So what are the examples so like of that? So like the EOS R10 from Canon mm-hmm. and that's coming in at like 800 bucks and then even lower than that is the is R50 mm-hmm. and those don't really compete with us on the video specs uh, maybe kind of on photo but I think the XS20 is probably going to have maybe better autofocus and you get all the Fuji colors and that sort of thing uh, They're both... What is the R10? It's like 20-something megapixels, like 20?
1: Yeah, 24, I think. Yeah.
0: So, like, that's kind of... Eh, maybe that's not where it's competing because it, it is much lower. You have, like, the ZV-E10. Mm-hmm. You know, this camera has a vlog mode. The ZV-E whatever's E-Sony cameras are all the vlog cameras. So, like, maybe that's what's competing with this. And those if are both it, APS-C.
1: If you're on video, then I would think the ZV-E10 is more of a competition than mm-hmm. something like the R10.
0: But it's not a photo camera. doesn't have a... a EVF, mm-hmm. doesn't have a flash on it, which mm-hmm. the XS20 does, surprisingly.
1: Oh, and the ZV-E10 is also almost half the price. Yeah,
0: 700 versus 1,300. So yeah. Sony basically doesn't have anything here. This is where your A6600 would fall in, but I don't think that competes with this. It's, this blows yeah, yeah, it out of the water. Yeah. So, you know, maybe what, what else is Canon got? Nikon has the Z the Z- Z5 the Z5 maybe you could get like a Z6 Mark II used for roughly this price, but I would still pick the XS20 over that unless I was really into getting like full frame photos. Mm-hmm. There's the EOS R7 which is 1400. I think that's the closest competitor to this. I think so too. And that's yeah. on sale though because the EOS R7 is usually like 1600. It's more than an R8, but right now you can get it for you know
1: 1400. Mm-hmm.
0: There is the R8 which is a full frame competitor to this.
1: So and that's at fifteen
0: hundred. So kind of surprising. Two hundred dollars more, you can get a full frame, full frame camera that can shoot four K sixty uncropped. Yep. And that's
1: like the XS twenty
0: has a crop on four K sixty, and so like you can get more light uncropped with an R eight at just a couple hundred dollars more. That's a little. I mean, that's that's almost embarrassing. I think.
1: Yeah, depends on what you're doing. That's limited to thirty minutes on the R eight.
0: True, it is limited, and so maybe that's maybe that's kind of a deal breaker. Uh, Talking about resolution. So, you know, focusing on the R7 here, 30 megapixels versus 26. Yeah. So you get more resolution with an R7. Mm -hmm. You get more crop because Canon's EOS APS-C is 1.6 versus 1.5. Right. Um, But, like, you know, the video specs are pretty much on par, right? They both can shoot 4.2.2, 4K, 10-bit. You get C-Log 3, no C-Log 2, but that's okay, I guess. Roughly the same dynamic range. Uh, I think the EOS R7 has two uh, SD card slots. Is that right? Yeah, two UHS, two SD card slots. So, like, and and I don't think it has quite the same raw capabilities as, you know, the XS20. Yeah. But it's it's like this weird, like, tic-tac thing. It's like, if you want, both have great colors. So, if you need, like, more megapixels... And maybe better autofocus. Maybe you're leaning towards the R7, but if you need like open gate recording or all intra codecs, which the R7 doesn't have, mm-hmm. or you need to be able to have raw recording, then maybe the XS20 is your jam. Damn.
1: Now, what I'm going to say does not apply if you're using this as a B cam for something else, but if you're not doing that, I think the lenses are a big difference between those two choices.
0: Sure. The portability of the Fuji lenses is phenomenal.
1: No, the portability, but I was going to say the pricing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because for Fuji, you've got tons of good lens options at under $1,000. Like almost any good lens you can get for Fuji is going to be less than $1,000. Yeah, and
0: that's fantastic.
1: And almost no good lenses for RF mount are under $1,000.
0: And that's like Fuji's, Fuji's red badged really good glass that's like man, their OEM this is what we want you to put on our 40 megapixel XT5 lenses like brand new maybe $1200 yeah. which is half the price of any of the L series mm-hmm. stuff because that's all going to be full frame.
1: I mean like let's let's not even say you want like the pro glass let's say you just want like a good regular lens you know like a like a, ten, like, like a Tamron
0: 17 to 70. Yeah,
1: unfortunately. Or, you know, or Sigma 18 to 50, like, sure. like a 24 to 70 equivalent at a pretty fast aperture. I mean, on Fuji, you're getting that lens for like, you know, $550, 600 700 yeah. you know, somewhere in that range. On Canon, that's going to cost, like, if you want a good lens, you're looking at like 1500 or something, aren't at you? At least, yeah. yeah. If you
0: want, you could probably find a used 24 to 70, 2.84 RF for like, Maybe eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's really expensive. I mean
1: that's a that's a major difference between those cameras.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say say for sure. I mean, you're always you're buying into the lens ecosystem, right? It's always an ecosystem mm-hmm. decision.
1: I mean, this is FujiCast. Obviously, we're Fuji fans. I I mean, for for a number of reasons that are very obvious, I'm more likely to pick the XS twenty than something like the R seven. But even just looking at these on paper, while I think they're both good cameras, I think the XS twenty offers more.
0: Yeah, and I am a little surprised on, like, the burst rate performance for the XS20. That kind of comes down to the read speed. I mean, with the R7, you can get, like, 40 megapixels in electronic shutter.
1: 40 shots, you mean?
0: Yeah, 40 shots. Mm-hmm. I said 40 megapixels, didn't I? Not yeah, bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the XT3, whenever it came out, was, it was pretty landmark as far as 20 shots in electronic shutter. Yeah. That's, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if you're getting that with the XS. I, I think, you think you are. are. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're getting 8 mechanical and 20 electronic so it's like it's not any better than what was out there in 2017, and that's yeah. limitation of the sensor, obviously. So like the you know the EOS R7 or the R8 have these newer sensors that are more capable. They're not they're not backside illuminated the Canon ones because I don't think they're I don't even think they ever figured that out. So you know the XS20 is backside illuminated, which is going to help with some noise performance, and so it's bigger, better noise performance on um, with you know smaller resolution. So right. I think that, I think for that, you'll have nicer images out of the XS20 compared to the R7.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really cool camera. I, like we were saying, I I think it's a little too expensive for me to treat as my travel camera, Mm -hmm. but I could totally see buying this as a B cam. You know, if we, if we got in a situation where we needed another camera for, you know, pro work for doing interviews, stuff like that. I would have no problems getting something like this to use as a, a B cam. I mean, it's a little,
0: a little tempting to me for that reason. I mean, it's the same sensor as my XT3. I know the images I'm going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, if, if I upgraded to this from the XT3, I, all of a sudden I got classic Neg. Because he's still, even though, you know, full version firmware update, have mm-hmm. not brought those film installations all the way down the line. Even though it's the same sensor and they released like a billion cameras with the new film and then i would have f-log too yeah and there we go
1: yep yep right? exact same control scheme like i mean i know i know fewer buttons but like same p sam mm-hmm. etc as your xh2s yeah, like this,
0: this yeah. is a it's a fantastic you know parallel to or b cam to the xh2s mm-hmm. and it uses the same batteries
1: no that's that that's a good point we didn't really talk about that but yeah that's that's really meaningful because I mean that battery's huge. It's going to last a long time. The new processor
0: plus the new battery doubled the shots between the XS20 yeah. yeah. and the XS10.
1: That's literally double the shots you can take. That's really significant, and I'd I'd be thrilled to not have two battery chargers, two types of batteries. That's that's a pretty meaningful uh, increase.
0: Yeah, I think this is a this is a fantastic camera for your camera.
1: Mm-hmm. Camera for your camera. I like it. It'd be episode title.
0: <laughs> so i do think that the r8 is an interesting comparison because full frame is so close to this in price yeah and the capabilities of the r8 are still pretty impressive the fact that you can shoot all the way up to 4k 60 in without a crop yeah and like you get the 4k 24 and i'm not gonna list c log 3 as a as a positive thing but it does have log i guess
1: it doesn't have ibis that's one thing it's missing really yeah
0: because I didn't realize that. It's only one card slot, but like one card slot, one card slot. So I would, if I was looking for my only camera, I would seriously consider the R8 over this just because you do get that bump into full frame and you do get that better noise and dynamic range performance.
1: you definitely gonna get bragging rights too. Sure. You know, full sure. frame.
0: I mean, I would still pick an X-H2S over a Canon R8 or a Canon R6 Mark II. It's personal, personal opinion. But... You know, I think it's it's difficult where the XS20 is sitting as far as price because these these cameras are coming down lower and lower. Yeah. And there's still rumors that Sony's going to release an A7C Mark 2 mm-hmm. at a lower price and point. And that'll probably be cheaper than this. Yeah. And at that point, it that would be that would be really hard to like pick one over the other if it has the same specs as the A7 IV has now, but in like a cheaper price mm-hmm. than this XS20. I
1: don't know. Yeah. It's really a hard bargain I, I think the price is a little high I would have liked to have seen if they couldn't break that thousand mark I would have liked to have seen this at 1100 you know even 1200 would feel a little better 1300 feels high
0: yeah I agree um, overall though this' is a it's a pretty cool camera it is I was really down on it reading the rumors especially because of the older sensor and having seen it come out and the features and the Flog 2 and the vlog mode and all this stuff. I'm, I'm actually pretty
1: excited about it. Yeah. I didn't
0: think about trading my X-T3 in to get this camera until I said it just now on the podcast. Ooh. But now I'm like,
1: man. That thought's in your head maybe,
0: now. Maybe I, need, maybe I need this camera in my life. Though I think I would be, I would be way happier having an X-T5 because I, like, I want that 40 megapixels and it's basically the same size as X-T3. And I like having the photo camera and the video camera. And being able to bring in the photo camera to do the photo things with the tilty screen. Mm -hmm. And then having the video with the flippy screen and all the modes.
1: You're just going to have to get one of every Fuji camera.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, if Fuji's listening, (laughs) I'll hold on to one of these for you. (laughs) Just as a favor.
1: (laughs) I bet you would.
0: All right. Uh, I think there was something else I wanted to mention on this. And I'm having trouble remembering what it was. Do we know when it comes out? It comes out mid next month, which is probably like gonna be correspond with the release of this episode, so June ish okay. time frame. Okay. And it seemed Fuji rumor said that they're planning on making like fifteen thousand a month or something. And it doesn't look like there's any sort of pre order delays on this. So I'm not sure where their demand is. Maybe they should refocus some of those manufacturing resources onto the X X one hundred V.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably always need to be making more X one hundred Vs.
0: Yeah, no kidding. They did also release a lens in the X Summit.
1: Oh, what was it? It was
0: an eight millimeter f three point five. Okay. What I wanted to see was now that they finally released that lens, I wanted to see a new lens roadmap.
1: Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't announce that. Did no,
0: they? they did not announce a new lens roadmap. That's a shame. It's frustrating. It's not. It's not frustrating, but like they were pretty good about maintaining that. And you can like look up the lens roadmap and see what they were doing. Like, here's a little shadow, and it's going to be eight millimeters, but we don't know anything else. And then we knew this one was coming for almost a year.
1: Yeah. And here it is. So hopefully they'll release something about new lenses soon so that you can plan, but yeah, you don't have to exactly. Wait you-
0: this lens is pretty exciting actually. So I didn't care about it at all until they announced it. So this is the widest first-party prime first not lens, yeah,
1: prime that you can buy for Fuji system. Interesting.
0: Previously okay. it was the 14mm f2.8.
1: Well, 8 8 from 14 is a pretty big change. Mm -hmm.
0: And if you wanted to go wider than that, you had to buy the 8 to 16, which is their most expensive lens. I think that lens is like 1,600 or more. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive, unless you're comparing it to L mount R glass, (laughs) R mount L glass. Anyway, it is their most expensive lens.
1: And is it, it's not a fisheye style, right? It's like a normal. no,
0: No, it's not. And that was kind of the thing is like, you can go wider than 14, but you can't put filters on it Mm -hmm. because it has this fisheye thing. This 8mm lens ha- accepts normal fil- normal filter threads and it's small and compact. It's as small as any of their other like the 23mm 1.4 or the 16 mm 1.4 that. If you're familiar with Fuji lenses in like that small size, this is that small. The
1: hmm. filter the filter thread 62mm. Yeah, that's normal.
0: Yeah, it's just like a normal little tiny lens. Yeah. Wow. But it's 8 millimeters, which is extremely wide.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the real estate lens for anybody shooting Fuji.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like if you wanted something similar to this before, you had to get like a Rokinon 12mm F2. Which or, is not autofocus. No, not autofocus. Or you had to get the Laowa 9mm, and I think that one's 2.8. Is that one faster? Right, it is 2.8, and it's that's their 0D lens, mm-hmm. which doesn't have any distortion. So. Right. But neither does this one, right? It's, I mean, it's really, really wide. Eight millimeters compared to nine is pretty significant. The f stop is maybe a deal breaker for some people. It's f 3.5. So I think that, I mean, that's as fast as they could get it. If you yeah. need something faster, you have to go to the zoom, which is a significantly larger lens.
1: Yeah. And has that, uh, you can't use normal filters and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. But if you need something that's like a 12 millimeter full frame equivalent, super, super wide lens, and you probably don't necessarily need the depth of field, and you need it portable. Yeah, it's a really good option.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you know how much it how much it costs? I think it's you know, it's like
0: 700 dollars. Oh, okay. That's kind of that normal Fuji lens price.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like it's on the higher end, but not that bad. Yeah, it's it's just the classic
0: Fuji thing where it's like here is the size of the lens, which is basically the same size as all of our other lenses. It's like 67, 62 millimeter filter thread size. Yeah. And it's somewhere between six hundred and a thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean filling I, out the lineup. Filling out the lineup.
0: I don't know. I think it's kind of exciting. It's really nice to have an option at, at that wide of an end. Yeah. That isn't that eight to sixteen zoom.
1: Right. Yeah. Something that's affordable.
0: Yeah. If I needed something that wide, I would I would definitely consider this. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty cool. Cool. So I think that's that's it for everything from the X Summit. You yeah. Know? Big, big Fuji cast here.
1: <laughs> no kidding.
0: Got time for anything else today?
1: I don't know if we have time for anything else. Should we just call this another episode of the FujiCast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> put, put
0: one up on the scoreboard. Yeah. FujiCast episode uh, 50.
1: We had a Nikon cast recently. Now we're doing a FujiCast. We're going to have to kind of find something different to talk about next time.
0: Oh, I'm sure there's going to be something. Somebody I mean, will talk, release a camera. Yeah, we could talk about that R100 or <laughs> talk write Adventure Resolve again. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, I think people you know want want to see fuji and Nikon get some love out there there's 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 too much too much sony too much canon talk
1: too many sony bros Mm -hmm. that's what i've been saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i think there you have it
1: that's it for the show today thanks for listening and we'd encourage you to rate the show on itunes and tell a friend but only if you enjoyed it you can find out more about us on our website at camera dot com. we'll be back with more next week